Hi, welcome to this new episode of the Listening into Wellbeing podcast. I hope you all are well. It's only me in this episode today, but I've got something interesting lined up for you. A few months ago, I managed to catch up with a very good old friend of mine, Ela Green, who I hadn't spoken to for some time. A normal catch-up on a weekend afternoon somehow led to us recording two episodes for her podcast. So I wanted to share with you the part one of that podcast I recorded with Ela. This podcast may challenge your beliefs about well-being. Hi, we are Rani and Suraj, a husband and wife team, psychiatrists, authors and well-being coaches. We guide heart-centered entrepreneurs and professionals to their true well-being. We bring our mental health and coaching experience and understanding of Eastern spirituality into our conversations every week. So if you're excited to embrace clarity, fun and ease in your life, relationships and business, stay tuned. Welcome to the Listening into Wellbeing podcast. It's a lighthearted discussion about our experiences as human beings, our egos, and what's innate in all of us. So here is a clip of that recording with Mario Pereca and Ila Crane introducing the episode. Ila, I am super excited for today's interview. It's one that I've been looking forward to. And I'll kind of let you introduce Dr. Siraj to us. I'm very, very excited, though, because this is super interesting stuff. Yes, it is a very unexpected interview. We managed to put together, Siraj and I, spirituality and psychiatry together. That's so funny because it seems so counterintuitive, but it's really not. (laughs) No, it's not. And it's not easy to find people like Suraj who can look at things from a fresh perspective. So I'm really happy that he joined us. I've known him for, I don't know, ages, I think 10, 12 years or more, perhaps. And he always had this centeredness and stability and serenity about him And now hearing that he's sharing, I mean, he was always sharing this, but he's adding a spiritual take in his practice with his patients. This is very exciting. It really represents a big change for me. So, Siraj, welcome to Peaceful Ease. You've been working as a psychiatrist for the last 20 years, is that correct? 20 years, yes. It's been that long. (laughs) Started in 2001, actually. Just for our listeners, Suraj is joining us from the UK. Where exactly are you now, Exeter? No, I am. I live in a small town called Yeovil in Somerset, mm-hmm. which is in the southwestern part of England. Mm-hmm. Beautiful part of the world, really. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about when we met, and I can't remember it. It was, I can't remember how many years ago was that. I'm guessing about 10. 12 years ago, maybe? Yeah, probably. Been that long, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A common friends party, I think, in London. Yeah, that's right. And we haven't been speaking for a while. I think according to Skype, it said like a year and a half or more. I can't remember. But then we had this conversation a couple of days ago, just catching up and talking about what I was doing and what you were doing. And it was so inspiring that I wanted to record with you. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. And thank you for overcoming the technical problems just before we started. Luckily, just restarting the computer helped, solved all the problems. So my question for you is, where's our restart button? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have a big biological restart button that's called sleep. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's right. And every morning when we wake up, we've got this brand new opportunity, this wide open space, this white sheet of paper where everything starts new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once we realize that magic can unfold from there. You're absolutely right. And I feel like when I wake up in the mornings, there is this mental space or even like the spaciousness, sense of spaciousness in my heart that I can just stay in bed and be present, like watch the ceiling or be open. I feel like I don't have to do anything. I don't have to rush. Everything will happen in its own time. Yet throughout the day, I lose that sense. And I think we all lose that sense because we go back to our own habitual ways of thinking and reacting. What happens exactly that we lose that freshness, mental freshness? Yeah. As you were saying that, I was kind of thinking uh, what happens as a sort of uh, natural phenomenon. I suppose when we first wake up, you are in this moment of absolute bliss for however long. It could be seconds, milliseconds for, for some people, it's even longer. And that kind of gap lag between you are in pure awareness and then until the moment your mind wakes up. So you you wakes up at one point and then your <laughs> mind wakes up. And once your mind wakes up, it's like after you reset your computer, all your kind of old browser windows open and you've gone to the same websites and <laughs> you're in the same. <laughs> <laughs> you're just exactly. restarting where you left again. off <laughs> and, and, and that's what happens I love the analogy how do you change that I suppose you don't have to I think the change follows from understanding what is going on in the human experience so you know we have pure awareness and then we have the mind then we kind of flip you know back and forth and that is the nature of life as it is Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like we are in some kind of, like in the movie Inception, in some kind of dream or some kind of even like video game, you know, so attached to our avatars, mm. our identities, our roles. And it feels so real to be here. And it is real, I know, but it's just like, let's imagine for a second that we are just like creating this game, this life and this identity. And we are, in fact. But then there is this awareness you just mentioned that can observe us create this life and this personality. Yet we get so soaked up in our daily life and personality that we forget about the awareness. The awareness doesn't forget about us, but we forget that it is there available for us. How can we go back and forth, like you said? Remember that it's there and available, touch it and come back here. Very good question. Awareness is always there. It is that neutral space that observes, that watches while our world sort of unfolds. The world our mind creates and our ego and our sort of personal self is kind of creating. It's been projected on the screen of our mind, if you like. And that's the illusion we are in. And I suppose going in search of pure awareness, we don't have to because we are in pure awareness. Our mind doesn't tell us that. But when we know that, then you can sort of say, well, your ego is never going to point you to your awareness because your ego is going to point you further and further away. 
because for the ego to be aware of its own self-importance, it has always got to look for validation from external objects, external sources. So the trick is not to ask your ego, but the trick is to do whatever it takes to strip yourself of that ego anyway. Yeah, strip away the ideas and the beliefs we carry about what it means to be well and who we are. And, and when we strip all of that away, whatever is left, that is pure awareness. It's more of a stripping away job rather than kind of layering more and more understanding or new beliefs or new strategies, new approaches. That's only going to complicate the picture. And we are going to get further and further away from the core, which we are always looking for, actually. Mm-hmm. I suppose uh, what I'm trying to say is we need to possibly do the complete opposite and do less than do more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really like that because I think some of the most important works that I've done on myself, they were all about unlearning rather than learning more. And unlearning the conditioning, isn't it? Yeah. So the conditioning, are those kind of layers around the core of an onion, as we grow older, that gets kind of fatter and fatter and the onion gets bigger. <laughs> then comes a point in your life where you realize, oh, shoot, I'm getting more and more lost because your mind makes you believe you're further and further away, but you are not actually truly. Because your mind creates this kind of illusion that we are. Mm-hmm. Again, we, we are in awareness. We are floating in that awareness. And we can only experience that in the true sense when we strip away all those layers. Take away all those beliefs, ideas. It made me think of this analogy you shared with me last time we spoke about the boat moving away from the coastline and forgetting that the stability of land was there. Could you please remind me of that and share that analogy with us? Shall I share another analogy? Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to yeah, mess things up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, still my favorite, but okay, I'll give it another yeah, chance yeah, for yeah. this one. <laughs> just, I think this is something probably your listeners will be able to connect with because we all experience the sky and the clouds. So I talk about the sky and the clouds. So there is a blue sky and then in that sky are those floating clouds, which you know are passing above us all the time. So the, the sky, if you think about using that analogy, if you imagine the blue sky is who you are, that's truly who you are. That's your true self or what we call consciousness. So the blue sky is the constant. Blue sky is the sort of land, if you like. And the clouds are those thoughts. Those are also part of nature. And the clouds are sort of floating coming, floating past us, through us all the time. And sometimes you get nice, fluffy, white clouds. You like the look of them. And those are like your happy thoughts. And those are the thoughts that give you a good feeling, leave you with a good feeling. You don't have any problem with them. And then there are those kind of gray, really dark, stormy clouds, right? And when we get those sort of stormy clouds in our mind, goes through our mind, those thoughts, they make us feel in a different way. So what we have learned to label as negative feelings and negative emotions, make us feel gloomy, sad, whatever it is. And the real change, I think, comes from knowing that there is a blue sky behind all of that, which hasn't gone away, but the clouds are covering it temporarily. Mm -hmm. The clouds are the transient phenomenon. So the clouds never stay in one place, do they? But when we are faced with this kind of very gloomy, dark place in our minds, we get really tricked into believing that this is the state we are going to get stuck in and that it's going to be really difficult to escape from it. And it can feel that way. But in truth, thoughts come and go. 
you haven't got the power to kind of hold on to any thought as such. Mm-hmm. If we can trust the blue sky behind it, then this need to actually worry about the clouds or need to you know push the clouds away, need to you know find a positive distraction to think you know not to focus on the clouds. There is no need for all of that silly stuff. So I think it's always being mindful of what's constant. Always let's look at what's constant when it comes to well-being. What is the blue sky in our sort of human existence? Let's learn that for ourselves. Let's experience that. And let's then guide other people to see that for themselves as well. Because whether they have seen it or not, they realize it or not, or somebody accepts it or not as a proposition, it's there. It's happening in their life as well. It's like what I was saying to you the other day. I mean, whether you believe in gravity or not, it's affecting you. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have to believe in gravity to be benefiting from it. So it's it's looking after you. It's in you know it is affecting your balance. It's affecting everything you do. It's that way, really. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like our listeners will relate to this analogy easily. But then, as a psychiatrist, you maybe working with people who have very unstable conditions, who may be exposed to violence or abuse or bullying and have also maybe suffer from inner instability. How do you explain all this? How could those people who have instability within or outside in their environment use this approach to relate to that? blue sky? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's not an approach as such. So I'm I'm very clear with people that, you know, this is not another technique or strategy. And this, what I talk about is more descriptive. It's not prescriptive, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it describes what goes on in terms of our own experience of life uh, as it unfolds, but it doesn't tell you what to do with it. So it's up to the listener, it's up to the audience, how to, you know, And it's not even up to your conscious intellect to decide what to do with it because it's something, it's almost like a kind of budding flower that kind of unfurls and unfolds within you on its own. And that's the beauty of it. That's what I'm trying to kind of trigger in people. It's that unfolding within Mm -hmm. of that inside. And when that happens from inside, that sort of learning, it becomes a lot easier. Everything makes sense. On that question of, you know, what, what happens when people come with really severe let's say trauma or abuse issues. And my first instinct always is to point them to, first of all, yeah, I say, well, that's a quite a normal human instinct to look for a good feeling. So when you're feeling bad, you want to feel good. You are in pain. You want to get rid of the pain, right? So that's nothing right or wrong about it. That's an instinct. I do that. Everyone does that. But once we get caught up in that kind of wanting to chase after a good feeling. So wanting to feel happy, wanting to feel anxiety free or wanting to be confident or wanting to, you know, whatever it may be, feel secure. More it eludes, more it avoids you. So that seeking is a big problem, which I have learned quite late in my sort of professional life. (laughs) Because the seeking keeps you in that sort of loop of psychological sort of morbidity, really. Because that seeking is the seeking of the ego mind, that the ego mind is seeking for that good feeling. Because it can't be your true nature, because true nature is already in that good feeling. So it's not seeking. What do you mean exactly the true nature is already in that good feeling? So the true nature is the name I'm using for what I said earlier as consciousness or our innate well-being, the constant. 
mm-hmm. the constant underpinning on which everything else plays out. So the true nature is perfect. It's all that we seek is the true nature. But we get caught up in this play of the ego mind, which wants us to kind of take this journey, take this go on this voyage of seeking, of let's look for that peace of mind. Let's look for that love. Let's look for that happiness. Let's look for that bliss. So it will send you out on this kind of journey, you know, up the mountains, through the deserts. It's getting people off that journey and saying, well, let's look at what's constant. And when they can look from that place of complete constant, really, when they can look from that sort of place and they can then look at their, let's say, their symptoms, what they're going through, they can have that sort of new perspective. And then some of those problems seem to fade away in a way. That's the start of a very important journey, really. And that constant is always there with them. It's because of the layers of conditioning, layers of what happened to them. And so it's created all these complex layers. It's only by unpeeling of those layers one by one. That's a proper way of actually guiding someone to their well-being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From this perspective, could we say that then it's the ego mind that also manifests these instabilities within or in our lives, including mental instabilities like depression or the seeking you mentioned or even other diagnoses? Could we say that this is the ego mind manifesting these things? Everything is being manifested in the space of consciousness, if you like. We as human beings are in this space of pure awareness or consciousness ourselves. Our ego mind is a part of that as well. So it's not to say the ego mind is completely outside of it. Because we've got intellect. Human beings have got this kind of wonderful thing called intellect. And that intellect, as it matures, it creates this persona. It creates this sort of separate mind, separate self, what we are calling the ego self. Or the personal mind does the same thing, really. Yeah, I mean, the the ego mind is projecting all those things, the, the pain, the suffering, the negative emotion, the negative feeling, the mood. Even the joy, even the happiness, all of those, the sense of I'm being accepted, I'm loved. Those are all creations of the ego mind, actually. If we didn't have that, if we didn't have that, we won't feel that necessarily. These are all sort of intertwined, if you like. Do you mean if we didn't have those positive yearnings, like wanting to be loved and accepted, we wouldn't have the opposing aversions, like being afraid of uh, rejected or not being loved? And we wouldn't be in this duality. Yeah. The ego mind is always telling us that we are less than perfect, right? Mm -hmm. It is about seeking. So ego mind always wants us to be on this search for a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And to get that, it tells us that we have to do X, Y, Z from this is kind of very outside in way of living life. So that we need to get this object, that object, that sense of recognition, that that love, that relationship, that validation. So it's never satisfied because it's always incomplete. Mm-hmm. Because it can't be complete. It cannot be whole. So this journey with the ego mind, it turns out to be an endless chase of a feeling you will never achieve in the truest sense. Mm-hmm. Because the feeling you're looking for in this, whatever it is, with your applying your conscious mind or intellect or doing therapies and doing this and that, because it's taking you further and further away from your true nature. Unless you're doing something that's pointing you to your true nature, if that approach is pointing to to your true nature, then it will stop your seeking. 
So my final question would be, considering that we all want to be happy and accepted and loved and we want to express ourselves, we want to have a good life and a good helpful life here. Why does the ego mind take us away from all this? The want comes from the ego mind itself. Okay. Because that's the ego mind speaking. Yeah. You see. So when we drop that want, we are in all of that we are seeking. So we fall back to whatever underpins all of that. And without that seeking of either or neither, not wanting and not having this aversion or the fear, where would that be? I, I can't even imagine it so easily. Like what would we be like yes. individually and as a society? Yeah, we will just be. We will just be. So we will drop that sense of me. We will drop that sense of you. We will drop that sense of them. So it will remove that sort of duality of existence. And when we drop that, because the ego mind creates that sense of separateness and creates these kind of separate realities for people, we kind of have come to believe that we are these separate beings, 7.6 billion people in the world, and all are different, all are unique. But they are just unique expressions of one being. But they are using the same software. And the same creative forces are working in them as well. They are affected by the same gravity, same consciousness, same true nature. But it's that ego mind has created all these identities, you, me. And hence, you want something different, I want something different. But all that we need, all that we want, ever want, is there for us to go and claim, is there for us to enjoy. Is all at home, that all that stuff is at home. We don't have to take a journey. And when we see that, you are okay to take a journey. No one's saying you shouldn't go on a journey and enjoy good things in life. You do, but with the knowing that you're doing that just for the experience, but not in the search for that sort of feeling, not in search for peace and love, not in search for something that you already have. Uh, beautifully said, and it was like a transmission. So I would like to stop here. And let all this kind of sink in because it really is portraying a whole new, different way of existence. Yeah. So I hope our listeners will receive this image, whatever that is image individually for everyone, but then holistically as a collective image for all of us. And let that be our guidance, remembering that exactly what you said, that we are the individual expressions of one being. So thank you so much for joining us, Siraj, and hope to have you with us again. Thank you. So that was part one of that podcast episode I did with Ila Crane a few months ago. I hope you have found it of value and was useful for your understanding Ronnie and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, please feel free to share it using the social media buttons on this page. We'd also be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe to Listening Into Wellbeing. Your reviews help us reach and connect with more listeners like yourself. Remember, true well-being is always innate and constant.